0: To the Watchers' Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary, and I'm Froggy. And this week, we're talking about season two, episode five, "Reptile Boy." Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick reminder that next week will be our first book club episode of the season so if you haven't yet started demons are forever now is your chance and once again i'll make sure to include a link to the book in this week's show notes oh
1: i can't wait to talk about that
0: book i know i know i'm so excited like the farther we get into the series the more excited i get
1: (laughs) i know i know it's so exciting
0: Okay, reptile boy. Air date was October 13th, 1997. Still a Monday. And our synopsis is Cordelia and Buffy attend a frat party thrown by a satanic cult looking for some fresh <laughs> sacrifices.
1: I called this a very special episode where Buffy learns the dangers of college frat parties. We're going to talk about that at the end because I, <laughs> I, I
0: have some thoughts on the very special episode-ness of this. Plus there is a direct quote from David Greenwald Addressing that kind of thing. Yeah. But when it comes to this description, I'm going to give them an A plus for effort. Because they got the basics down. There's a frat party. There's a cult. There's sacrifices. I don't know if I'd call the cult satanic. But overall, they nailed it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's a pretty good one. And what is our foreign titles this week, Froggy? Okay. So our foreign titles this week, we have in check, we have Snake Boy. Finnish is lizard man. French is just devotion. German, I like the I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pronounce the German one because it's very German. Der Geheimbund, which is the secret society. Italian is macabre party. Oh I like that. Oh, you're going to love the Japanese one even oh, better. What is it? Disgusting Boy. Yes. That's our title for the yes. Yeah. As soon as I saw that one, I'm like, oh, uh, y- yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Because it just explains this entire episode in two words. Pretty much. It, it just sums it up so nicely for you. Yep. And then the only other the only other fun one is Spanish is just a snake demon oh, sweet to the point yep but no disgusting boy disgusting is
0: boy is the winner that's the winner this week It was almost Macabre Party.
1: No, I, uh, that's exactly what I said. I liked Macabre Party until I got to Disgusting Boy. And that was exactly the one that it was going to be. I knew you were going to love that one.
0: You know me so well.
1: I do. I do.
0: So we begin, as the way right now, with Giles' Slayer spiel before going to Buffy's house, where Buffy, Xander, and Willow are enjoying a quiet night in. The three of them hanging out in Buffy's room, braiding Willow's hair, and watching some Indian movie on television. The
1: plot of which seems... very confusing. I love it. I love this whole scene from from the moment it comes in with them braiding Willow's hair to the three of them trying to figure out what the heck they're watching. We do know, however, that the plot
0: involves singing while mm-hmm. on the telephone. A water buffalo <laughs> and something involving feet that Buffy thought only a chiropractor was licensed to do, but Willow assures us is personal.
1: Yeah. The <laughs> knowing what I know about Bollywood and the those types of movies which are so much fun even when you don't know what's going on yeah the feet thing is probably very personal so i do love that they're watching indian television
0: yes because our monster of the week is very similar to a naga yep yep which is uh, for anyone who doesn't know, a half-human, half-serpent being that dwells in the netherworld and is worshipped, even today, throughout South Asia.
1: Yep. Nope. It was, a good, it was a good choice. It was a very good choice.
0: Xander sarcastically remarks about how silly it was of them to think that just because they have no money and no plans, that they would have a <laughs> lackluster evening. Willow suggests that they could go to the bronze and sneak in their own tea bags <laughs> asking for hot water. <laughs> Bless Willow. Okay, I Adi-
1: I love that so much because my mother-in-law brings her own tea bags. Of course she does. I love, I love will, your mother-in-law. She will ask for she's like, she's like, first of all, tea at restaurants sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's she carries a little packet of her own tea bags and she will ask for hot water. It's it's the best thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a plan that has Xander begging her to
1: hop off the outlaw train. <laughs> I love For 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 Willow that is that is being a rebel. It's it's small baby steps. It's it's
0: pretty much, yeah. Like it's as rebellious as Willow gets right now.
1: Like she does, she does take baby steps with, with her crime. She does. Later on, but it's, yeah, it's just She's great... going to get a lot
0: more comfortable with crime.
1: Yes, yes. And they all will get more comfortable with crime. Buffy, however,
0: is grateful for the quiet. No vampires or demons to slay, just her and her besties. The actual phrase she uses is the kind of hush that has fallen over Sunnydale. Um, kind of hush referencing the 1968 Herman's Hermit song. yes. Just like Xander in Schoolhard, Buffy has jinxed them all. Oh, of course she has. Of course. As we next cut to a frat house where a girl dressed in white is attempting to make her escape. She crashes through an upper story window, jumps off the balcony, and then takes off running, pursued by the brothers, all of whom are dressed in hooded robes. She reaches the edge of the property, climbs over the wall, and ends up in the cemetery, conveniently located next door.
1: We, we've talked about that before. Every cemetery in this town is convenient. Any, it's just show. like... Oh. We've, we really need to go back through episodes and try to figure out how many cemeteries there are. Because I know they, they have a list of them in the, the Slayer stats, but I feel like they've the left location, them out. The loca- and the locations are just very rare. But my my college dorm room was located next to a cemetery. So if I had jumped out my window, I could have run right into the convenient cemetery. Oh, well, there you go. And there must be another way to
0: enter this convenient cemetery. One that doesn't take as long as cutting across the grass, because while several <laughs> of the brothers are still following her, one extremely good-looking one has gotten in front of her. Oh yeah, that one. Causing her to accidentally run straight into his arms. He tisks, telling her that she can't leave now, the party is just getting started. <laughs> then he shoves her back into the arms of three other figures, before quickly glancing around to make sure no one saw. Satisfied that they are indeed alone in the cemetery, he pulls up his hood and follows the others back towards the house.
1: He really is pretty in that 90s. He's yeah, California way. He is. Yeah. And I love in the script when the hood comes off,
0: it describes him as revealing the face of a handsome 20 year old sadist. Oh hell yeah! Ocean is not going to pull punches here when describing some things. Yeah, that's great. We should also note that though this is the first time we see some fraternity-related supernatural occurrence, it will definitely not be the last. Yep. As this theme will come up several more times throughout the series, especially in season four. Yep. Credits still awesome. Still awesome. We return to an establishing shot of Sunnydale High. Cordelia's very fake laughter playing <laughs> over it. <laughs>
1: I I love, I love it. I just love her. I just love the fake laughter. It's so fake. But it's so good. I love you, Cordy. Moving inside,
0: we see that Cordelia is talking with another girl about Dr. Debbie's ways of showing a man you're really listening. (laughs) Like making serious eye contact or laughing at everything he says. She once again demonstrates said laughter before we switch over to Willow and Buffy, the latter apparently having dreamt about Angel for the third night in a row. (laughs) Willow asks if it's the kind of dream that's really vivid, you know, where you can feel almost everything that's happening. (laughs) It has surround sound. And... She says she's just been thinking about him so much lately. Willow says they're perfect for one another. Except, you know, the whole vampires thing. Buffy knows she's crazy. Brain sick even. What is she thinking? She can't have any kind of relationship with him. Well, not in the day. Willow suggests she ask him out for coffee. The Mm non-relationship drink of choice. And this is a phrase I use
1: to this day. I know, I know. It's it's so good. I want to back up a little bit. Okay. To Willow's line about, you two are so right for each other. Yes, cuz no, they're not. They're terrible for each other. Like I love you, Willow. I love you <laughs> so much. but no, they are not right for each other at all in the slightest. <laughs> forget about the fact that he's a vampire and she's the slayer that that's the least of their problems.
0: Oh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about their problems.
1: I know I know, but I just needed to highlight that line and just how not true it is. Oh, yeah. And we're going to get, like, textual evidence of that. Yes. Later in this episode. Yes. Oh, my God. So, so yes. just, let's I know. just keep I, in mind. I know. I know. I can't wait because I know we we hinted at it in our offline conversations. <laughs> oh, yes. So, yes. Coffee.
0: Not a date. A beverage. And sure, it's hot and bitter like a relationship. But <laughs> what's like a relationship? Xander has caught up to the girls and wants to know what they're talking about. Buffy responds with, nothing I have. Before asking Xander, coffee. Passing by Cordelia, Xander pauses just long enough to hear her tell her friend that there is really no comparison between college men and high school boys. I mean, just look at them. She motions to Xander as if the very sight of him makes her point for her. Xander asks Cordy if she's dating a college guy, and she says not that it's any of his business, but yes, she's dating a Delta Zeta Kappa. Oh, an extraterrestrial. Makes (laughs) sense. Seeing as how she's exhausted all the human, guys. (laughs) Buffy watches them do their verbal sparring thing as Willow takes a drink from the water fountain. Cordelia continues telling Xander that he'll go to college one day as his pizza delivery career is bound to take him many places. (sighs) Not really having a response to that, Xander walks away joining the girls just as the bell rings. Hearing the bell, Buffy curses the passage of time. (laughs) as She was supposed to have met Giles in the library ten minutes ago. Oh well, it's fine. Things have been pretty normal as of late. He won't be too mad. Wrong! Oh, how wrong you are. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. In the library, Giles tells Buffy that just because the paranormal has been more normal and less para as of late, it is no excuse for tardiness or letting her guard down. Buffy says she hasn't, but Giles says she yawned her way through weapons training and skips hand to hand entirely. Will she be prepared if a demon comes up behind her and does this? <laughs> He goes to attack only to have Buffy grab him and twist his arm behind him. Yes, well, he isn't a demon, and therefore she should really let go. (laughs) She takes a seat, and he says that living atop of a Hellmouth means never knowing when another attack will come. She needs to be training, patrolling, honing her skills. Buffy asks if that... Tiny slice of life, that time between 7 and 7.05, is that still hers to do with as she wishes? Giles asks her if she really believes that he doesn't know what it's like to be 16. No, doesn't think he does. He doesn't know what it's like to be 16 and a girl and the Slayer, to be staking vampires while having fuzzy feelings for one. Taking on the undead doesn't exactly do wonders for one's social life. Exactly. Giles says that's where being different comes in (laughs) handy. What? What? Yeah, okay, because who needs a social life when you have your very own hell mouth? Yes, she has a calling, responsibilities. Who else at her age can say that? Try no one. Yep. Frustrated. Oh. <laughs> Giles goes into full <laughs> oh, dad mode.
1: I love full this. Is, this is one of my favorite moments. I, I love Dad Giles so much. He, he doesn't have any children of his own, and yet somehow he manages.
0: Right? Like, how does he have such a perfect, like, dad look and dad voice when he does not have children of his own?
1: You know what? I think it's the fact that he's British. It must be. It must be a British thing. Something about being British just prepares you to be a stuffy adult at all times. <laughs> An authority figure. An authority figure. I mean, look at the way Hallie treats you.
0: Oh, that's true. Hallie Let I me. Mean, okay. But Hallie isn't like stern English mum. Hallie is the like... <laughs> Oh, my baby, you're not feeling well. Let me make you tea. While
1: Panda's like, don't do that. She's going
0: to keep expecting
1: that. (laughs) See, I am your, I'm your stern mom. You are the stern mom. You're like, get off the floor. Yeah. Just, just, just get, get moving. Get moving. Also, I'd like to say that I really wish Giles would have been like, uh, yeah, when I was 16, I was raising the undead and causing havoc with my boyfriend so that's, that's the thing. Cause I know they're trying to keep all of that under of wraps. Yeah. For yeah. Like four episodes from now. Yeah. Cause that's when we get to the dark. Yeah. Halloween and the dark ages and everything. Giles had a destiny he wasn't comfortable with. Exactly. And could have dropped that into
0: this conversation. Yeah. Being like, no, I don't know what it's like to be the slayer, but I know what it's like to be told something I don't want to do and to have to do it.
1: He could have He could have brought in the fact that his family were watchers, that this was his path that he was supposed to follow, and he didn't want to do it. Like, he could have really related to her at this moment. But I think, and again, it, he's just trying to be dad. Yeah, he's, try- he's trying to be dad because he tells Buffy
0: that, Everyone has to do things they don't like. (laughs) It's a hard fact of life. She has hand-to-hand training that afternoon and (laughs) patrol that night. So he wants her to come straight to the library after six period to start her homework. No dawdling. And not to think that sitting there pouting will get her anywhere. (laughs) Because it won't. Though Giles does look like it's getting to him a little. Yeah. Enough that he has to look away.
1: Yeah. I would have loved to have Jenny in this scene with him. Yes. Yes, we need group mom. Like, just... Because she's the fun mom. She is. She's the fun mom. She's the fun mom. She's the wine mom. She's the mom from Mean Girls. <laughs> yes. Yes. So like having her see him doing the stern routine, like there could have been a great scene after Buffy left where like she could have made some sort of innuendo about him using that voice on her later. Yeah.
0: Whoa. Wait, are we going to
1: open that can of worms again? Of course we are.
0: About how Giles could uh, use his dad voice on us. Of course. when this turned into the like thirst for Giles <laughs> no, never mind. it turned into the Thirst for Giles podcast the first time Froggy showed up but we're really sorry for especially like in the episodes that are coming up how much you are gonna have to hear us oh, thirst gosh. for Giles.
1: Yeah when we get to when we Halloween. get to Halloween and him dealing with Ethan I'm sorry everybody I apologize in advance. I don't even have nacho fries this week that I can blame it on. It's just yeah, we're gonna get worse, and <laughs> I am so sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, everyone knows what they signed up for. It's fine.
1: I, you know what? I'm gonna blame I'm gonna blame Dylan for that one last week because his chaotic energy normally I think just rubbed off on us, even I if we're it not did. in the same room. Like just his, just their presence, it came through the screen. We just yeah. felt it. Yeah. So that's we're gonna stick with that because Dylan's not here this week to refute it. Yeah, it's true. Ha ha.
0: Outside, after school, Buffy sits atop the metal railing of the front steps. Xander and Willow approach. Xander lamenting how long the day was while Willow reminds him that he skipped three classes. Yeah, well, (laughs) still felt long to him. Xander in this scene is sporting plaid pants (laughs) while Willow has a corduroy skirt and Buffy has giraffe or cow printed pants. Like, I don't know exactly what you call that pattern because it could be either.
1: This whole friend group is clashing at the moment. And it's... So 90s. I know everything. You know what? Everything about this scene, even with when you start to get to the frat, everything about this scene is painfully 90s. There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff in the series that can be, you know, timeless and transferred elsewhere. But this and especially when you get some of the fashion choices is just so 90s. Even Cordelia's weird secretary look that she has going on. She's trying to look older. It's just that 90s preppy type of thing. Reaching Buffy, Willow
0: says she thought she was supposed to be in the library starting her homework. She's dawdling with her friends. She loops her arm through Xander's as Cordelia rushes by them, nearly pushing Willow down the (laughs) stairs in an attempt to meet someone. Someone that arrives in a black car that comes speeding around the corner. Cordelia approaches and the window rolls down to reveal our douchebag frat bros, Richard and Tom. (sighs) Cordelia says hi, and Richard tells him that they're having a get-together at the house the following night. At first, Cordelia just responds by doing her, Oh, you're so interesting laugh. (laughs) But when Richard begins to look confused, she says she would love, love to come. That's when Richard asks who her friend is, nodding in Buffy's direction, as Tom has been staring at Buffy the whole time. Buffy? Oh, they're not friends. Tom says she's amazing, and Cordelia quickly (laughs) course-corrects. They're more like sisters. They're that close. (laughs) Richard asks her to introduce them, and Cordelia reluctantly agrees. Xander is asking if they're up for another round of Indian television, Channel 59 apparently, when Cordelia interrupts and grabs Buffy's wrist, saying that Richard and his fraternity brother want to meet her. She says she doesn't want to meet any fraternity boys, (laughs) and Cordelia says, Were there a god? It would stay
1: that way. <laughs> That's so. That whole scene is cute. Buffy's like, "No, no, I don't want to. I'm just having fun dawdling." <laughs>
0: she brings Buffy down to the car as Xander calls after, saying, "They were busy dawdling." <laughs> In the script, Richard is just described as the sadist from the teaser. <laughs> But Tom, Tom is described as also 20, but dressed casually. Tom is rich too, but he's not a prick. He's a low key decent guy. <laughs> okay, script. Okay, script. Okay, I,
1: okay. I know what you're doing. I, I get it. Also, apparently
0: in the script, there were supposed to be two other guys in the car. Okay. Richard is played by Greg Follin, while Tom is played by Todd Babcock. Greg pretty much made the rounds in the 90s. Yeah. Having been on Malibu Shores in 90210 prior to Buffy and then charmed following Buffy. Yep. He later went on to do soap operas and is currently playing Eric Brady on Days of Our Lives. Oh, really? Jackie will understand. Okay, wait, did you watch Days of Our Lives?
1: Yes, I did. I loved Eric Brady. Jackie and I were also obsessed with Eric and Chloe. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. Yay. I'm so excited that yes. you are also obsessed with that. No, no, I am. I am right on board. My, my mom and my Nana both watched Days of Our Lives and being a teenage girl, I'm like, Ooh, yes, he's pretty. I will take him. <laughs> okay. So quick
0: side note, we used to do this in, in high school too, My because my mom used to tape Days of Our Lives and we would watch it on the weekend with her when Jackie would spend the night. And so my grandmother would come into the room and my mom would pause it real quick. And it would be like on the hospital like scenes be- with Mike and Carrie which yeah yeah. yeah. and so my grandmother would be like what are you watching and my mom's like it's an educational show <laughs> just so my grandmother wouldn't be like why are the girls watching a soap opera with you because <laughs> I mean Days of Our Lives was just like especially in the 90s was oh totally god. out there oh it god with like
1: marlena getting possessed by a demon marlena getting possessed and then yeah. the whole princess gina thing yeah
0: oh my god we loved it we loved it so much
1: no it was it was so perfect and well and the thing was like i spent so much time and like in the summers i spent time with my at my grandparents house so that was it if i wanted to watch tv i had to watch my grandmother's stories with her <laughs> the stories. Now they did They did end up getting another TV in their bedroom that I could escape. But no, it was the stories. It was Gilligan's Island, Petticoat Junction, all of that stuff. So much fun. Ah, oh, soap operas. So yes, Eric Brady. <laughs> Eric Brady. So the funny thing is... Todd also went on to do soap operas
0: appearing on Days of Our Lives, though that was long before Greg joined the cast. That's great. Yeah. He also did bit parts on several TV shows, including Sliders, the Clueless television series and Grey's Anatomy. A
1: lot of these a lot of these guys, especially who guest star on Buffy, have done soap operas somewhere in their careers like they and they all have that look like they just look like they do soap operas.
0: Right? Like, they do. I mean, they, it's, it's kind of the thing. If you want, like, a 90s rich boy, they do all have that, like, soap opera yep. good look thing going. Yeah. They arrive back at the car to find Richard leaning against it. He introduces himself before asking who Buffy is, and she responds with, so not interested. <laughs> she turns to leave, but Cordelia grabs her again, remarking how she's such a tease. What? She likes playing hard to get? No, Tom says. Richard just likes being easy to resist. <laughs> Buffy steps away, and Tom steps away with her, apologizing for Richard and saying, She should just ignore him. They do. He then introduces himself, saying, He's Tom Warner and he's a senior at Crestwood College. Also, he feels like a giant dolt, meaning here this way. But here he is, in all his doltish glory. Watching all this from above, Xander makes a face. Because, yeah, right. Like, Buffy's going to fall for that. Well, she kind of has. As she takes her sunglasses off and tells Tom her name. He asks if she's a senior and she says junior. Him too. <sighs> only not as he's a senior and in college like he just told her. So, hey, they have that in common. Oh. He mentions so- he's a history major and Buffy says history stops her. She has a hard enough time remembering last week. Oh, no, nothing happened last week. He was there.
1: you know what I was just thinking so what they said that they're from Crestview College Crestwood Crestwood is that another town over no because it's in the cemetery could it just be a different cemetery but Buffy's not gonna leave Sunnydale to go to other cemeteries no I'm just I'm just thinking about the town again so the preparatory school that the first girl
0: went to is just outside of town okay so Crestwood could be on Sunnydale's border yeah that's what I was say like, if they're pulling girls from other schools that aren't in Sunnydale but also you know Richard supposedly dating Cordelia so I think it's on the outskirts
1: so like the, the cemetery is close enough that Buffy would go yeah.
0: there. Like it's one of her normal cemeteries. But like maybe the cemetery is like the edge of town and then the college. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: it's just it's just once again, like how big is this small town? This is a very large one Starbucks town. I know because we have we have UC Sunnydale later and we have apparently crestwood over here and the community college that angel supposedly
0: went to in first season as buffy told her mom yeah Yeah. well maybe maybe yeah it's it's just there's a lot going on in sunnydale i know still watching xander says any minute now (laughs) buffy's gonna walk away just just wait wait and see tom mentions to buffy how richard his friend invited cordelia her friend to a party that weekend actually scratch that Richard isn't his friend he didn't even want to join the stupid fraternity he just did it because both his father and his grandfather were part of it you know legacy and all that Xander still waiting for Buffy to walk away (laughs) Uh,
1: honey it's
0: not happening no (laughs) just accept it
1: no cute college boy
0: Tom tells Buffy that the party is going to be dull that all the parties are dull, full of dull people doing dull things. Would she want to come save him? She says she'd like to, but she's kind of involved with someone. Right, right. He should have figured that. He thanks her for letting him ramble, and she says a lot of people underestimate the power of a good ramble. That's when Giles shows up, calling her name and motioning to his watch. She's in trouble, big time. <laughs> She tells Tom she has to go. And he says, it was nice meeting her. It was nice meeting him too. Really nice. She runs up the steps and grabs her bag from Xander, heading for the library as Tom stands watching.
1: In said library. Hang on one second. There's, I noticed when I was doing my rewatch, there was a guy that was standing behind Giles that was just staring at him
0: like what is this weird librarian doing
1: we know that the librarian is weird but what is he doing right now the guy just had a look on his face like huh why is he calling to that girl i don't know if it's as creepy as these guys that are hitting on high school girls there's a whole bunch of just a whole bunch of stuff. So much happens. There's so much. So much happens. In said
0: library, Giles emerges from the book cage, pads on and ready to spar. <laughs> he has a staff in one hand and a dagger in the other, telling Buffy that he's going to be attacking her now and that he won't be pulling any punches. <laughs> Fine with her. He steps forward and Buffy immediately kicks the dagger away, leaving him with only the staff. He goes to attack, but she breaks it before tripping him and sending him careening into the table where he slides over the top, knocking off several books. Okay, then. Oh. She's on patrol and he'll see her in the morning. Oh, Rupert. Okay. So I know these training shots are mostly played for comedy. Yes. Yes. But given all we've learned about Giles over the years, his experience,
1: yeah. his training,
0: his inner ripper, I feel like he loses these a little too easily.
1: I think he loses them on purpose. Okay. Like I he's keeping up a certain look that he has cultivated for himself. Tweed Yes, the whole like I think it would have been a lot funnier if this tweed-clad man could have easily bested her. But I really, yeah, like they they play it for they play it for laughs. But I like to think that he pulls back on purpose.
0: Okay, I mean, I would believe it based on what we've seen him do to people. Yeah,
1: because he like when the he thing gets is angry. The thing is what he's going to do to Ethan very shortly. Exactly. Buffy doesn't really need that level of training that he's trying to do. Like, if anything, he she would need somebody like I'm going back to the Julie Kenner books, like with Cutter, you know, somebody who can really challenge her and keep her, you know, on her toes. Whereas Giles is just, yeah, Giles. Oh, but we love Giles. Yes, we love. If <laughs> yes, you we can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> we love Giles a little too much. This has become, this has become a Giles Stan podcast. mean look <laughs> at what we named it. I don't think anyone I should be
0: surprised.
1: It's going to be turning into the Giles diaries. Oh,
0: <sighs> okay.
1: That, wait, that's that's a uh, you know what? That's a bonus Patreon material. That <laughs> is watch- that is some oh. bonus Patreon. The Watchers' Diaries after dark. All right,
0: <laughs> we need to get track before
1: this just goes off the rails.
0: <laughs> I want to rant about stuff. Yes, yes. <laughs> The graveyard. Uh, here we go. Buffy is patrolling the area when something on the ground catches her eye. Picking it up, it appears to be a piece of a bracelet. One angel helpfully, or creepily, you Ugh. decide, tells her has blood on it as he steps out of the shadows. Ugh. Turns out he can smell it. Buffy says it looks nice and it must have belonged to some girl. You think? Like, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: She then says, wouldn't it be funny for them to see each other when it's not a blood thing? Not funny, you know, what? Like a date? No, no, not a date. Just coffee. Coffee. Angel is actually the one who suggests it. Something Buffy doesn't look exactly thrilled about. She wants him to go back to suggesting dates. (laughs) Instead, he says he knew this would happen. What? knew what would happen. He tells her that she's 16 and he's 241. She says she's done the math. He tells her that she doesn't know what she's doing, doesn't know what she wants. Oh no, she knows. She wants out of this conversation. She turns to leave and he grabs her arm, telling her that if they date, one thing is bound to lead to another. Buffy says one thing has already led to another and that it's a little late to be reading her the warning label. He says he just wants to protect her, that things get out of control but she responds with isn't that the way things are supposed to be what happens next y'all uh. I can't I can't I hate this next bit of dialogue so So much.
1: I hate this whole scene. To me personally,
0: it is the worst bit of dialogue on the series.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is. I don't know
0: if it is fueled by my hate for Buffy and Angel or (laughs) my hate for Buffy and Angel comes from this dialogue. But You got, it's bad. It's like Twilight level bad. And I don't care that Twilight wasn't a thing yet because this is so bad it defies time.
1: Okay, so just deliver it and then we will talk about it because I have feelings as well. All right. My next line was actually, are you ready?
0: Okay. (laughs) Angel grabs her roughly, legit, In the script, it specifies roughly and says there could be a kiss pending or an attack. She looks up at him half scared,
1: half attracted,
0: and pulls her close, telling her this isn't a fairy tale. That when he kisses her, she doesn't wake up and live happily ever after. She then replies... No, <sighs> when you kiss me, I want to die.
1: OK, so what I hate, what I hate about this, not just see, see, I'm, I'm coming from this as somebody who did like Buffy and Angel. So what I hate about this is the fact that later on, we learn that he's been watching her since Henry. Mm-hmm. He basically brought everything onto them. Everything that goes on between him and Buffy is his fault. Mm -hmm. He could have kept things professional. He could have said at any time, you are a teenager, we can't do this. But Mm -hmm. he led everything to happen. And now that he has a teenage girl in love with him now he wants to be like oh no we can't do this like he did the whole dark and brooding anti-hero thing and it's just like he did it to himself and he is responsible again we're gonna go we're gonna go real world here he is a grown man and she is a teenager i mean angel had to have been at least 24, 25 when he died. Yeah, he was in his 20s when he died. So even taking out the fact that he is over 200 years old, he is still a grown ass man who had basically stalked a teenage girl. Cuz what did we decide when she was in Still at Henry? She was 14, 15? Yeah, with the retcon, she was like 14 years old. Yeah. So, no. I I as as somebody who was a Buffy Angel fan, I am right there with you. Like, it is still not a good scene. It's just awful. Okay, hold on.
0: Now I have to, like, it's it's not related to this dialogue for half a second, but now, like, it's bothering me because I was about to compare him to the frat boys. But the, the script says that Tom and Richard are 20, and yet they're seniors at the college.
1: Yeah, I... Th- that, that doesn't work. Yeah, something might have happened between... I mean, it's way less creepy that they're 20
0: and yeah. Cordelia is 16, 17. I mean, still a little weird that a college boy is hitting yeah. on a 16-year-old girl, but at least he's under 21.
1: Yeah, no. Because um, I
0: was like, being a senior, he should be like 22. Yeah,
1: they... The the way that... Yeah, the way that... He, something something might have happened. Like, did the script still say that they were they were seniors and yeah, 20? Yeah, still has...
0: Yeah. It describes Tom as also
1: 20, and then the, like, script does have that exchange where he says, I'm a senior. Yeah, I think that is just a... Someone can't do math. Someone can't do math, or someone, you know, does it. Like, I mean, I know in my own writing, I'm always figuring out, how old was I when I was in this grade? Like, so I'm always doing that. So I think that just might be a failure of math. Oh, yeah. And and just not getting ages right.
0: I mean, it makes sense, but I was just like, hold on. But anyway... So back to this dialogue. So I had to look up who broke this episode because I was so mad and I needed to know <laughs> who to be mad at. Wait, of course, it's our friend David of oh, the sexy, slightly Marilyn Monroe.
1: Oh, of course it's David.
0: Of course it's David. I mean, David does make some some good points about some things along the way. Oh, yeah, and like I yeah. said, we'll, we'll talk about those at the end, some of the quotes he gave about this episode. But I'm just like, David, Yeah, David, yeah.
1: David. No, I like, yeah, like for the whole episode, again, going back to it being a very special episode, it is, it, you know, it is a decent, it is decent. It is, but yeah,
0: this dialogue,
1: the, the David, come on, Greenwald. <laughs> we know you can do better. They stare
0: at each other for a moment before she runs off, hopefully embarrassed over what she just said.
1: <laughs> That's one of those things that you lay awake at night. You're like, damn it. Did I really, really just say that? Oh, I could have said something so much better, but I had to say when you kiss me, I want to die. Now I really want to die. <laughs>
0: And the scene changes over to the next day at Sunnydale High. Buffy's gathering her books after class, looking a little bummed. She is probably still embarrassed over the stupid-ass shit she said before. I'm not letting this go.
1: <laughs> she's <laughs> she's going to be 20, 20 years from now. It's going to be like, man, that thing that I said to Angel in the cemetery. It was so yeah, bad. Yeah, and it should be. <laughs> We all have those moments. I mean, we We all have those moments where we think back. Like, it happened when we were small children. Like, man, I can't believe I did that.
0: Man, that Thursday in eighth grade, I should have totally used this comeback instead. Yeah. And you're like, I Um, don't know why I'm thinking about eighth grade, but I am. And I'm just now mad at myself that I didn't say this other thing.
1: And why am I laying awake in bed at one o'clock in the morning thinking about this thing that I did in eighth grade and the things that I should have said?
0: Oh, the joys of having
1: anxiety disorder. I know. God, I mean, I wish I didn't have the joys of having an anxiety disorder. Right? Can you believe that there's people that can just go to sleep at night? No, this sounds fake. Like Mr. Frog. He just, he goes, he lays down in bed and just closes his eyes and goes to sleep. And that's it. Doesn't lay awake thinking about all the things.
0: Ugh, Mr. Frog.
1: I hate him. (laughs) No, I don't. I love him. He's good. I do. Okay. <laughs> comes in, complimenting
0: her, asking if she's lost weight.
1: And her hair! No, no.
0: She respects <laughs> she, Buffy too much to lie to her. She can't do
1: it. <laughs> I like that. I respect you too much. Like, she does. She really does. <laughs> the hair?
0: It's not good.
1: Anyway, about that frat party,
0: according to Richard, there's a certain balance that needs to be kept. That's creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, not good. And while Cordelia was so busy listening that she wasn't actually listening, <laughs> the main takeaway is if Buffy doesn't go, she can't go. And this is Richard Anderson they're talking about, as in Anderson Farms, Anderson Aeronautics, Anderson Cosmetics. <laughs> Buffy sees why she has to go, right? They're rich, really rich. And that's not just her being shallow. <laughs> Think of all the people she could help with her money. <laughs> Buffy says she'll go and Cordy excitedly tells her it's like they're sisters with
1: really different hair. (laughs) (laughs) I like in that scene, you can see a pen sticking on Buffy's ear. Like, Like at first, the first time I watched it, I'm like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, she has a pen in her ear and it's just sticking out with her hair. It's so cute. It's just a little, it's just one of those little things that makes you believe she's a high school student. Yeah,
0: at the frat house or rather deep below it, we see one of the new brothers being sworn in, pledging his loyalty both to his frat and to Makita, the demon they apparently all serve. So, one of the things I love about the supplemental materials is that in the Guide to Demons, they have Giles make a note about how strange it is so many Sunnydale homes and establishments have basements. <laughs> Because in Southern California,
1: you don't have basements. basements. No,
0: no. (laughs) So I like that they like actually point out that this is a really weird thing about Sunnydale.
1: Yeah, that everybody has a basement. That no, that is that is very true.
0: (laughs) So this brother that's being sworn in is played by Kobe Bell who is an amazingly talented actor. Kobe has been on a ton of different shows. Most noticeably, he played Tyrone Davis on Third Watch. Yep. As well as Jason Pitts on The Game. And he's currently on the new Walker show on The CW with Jared Padalecki.
1: Oh, he's come full circle. Yeah. So I'm
0: <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of this episode. This is not no. one I watch over and over again. No. Unlike the next one. Yes. But every time I do watch this episode and I see him, it makes me smile. I've also seen Kobe Bell in real life, and he is very tall and very, very
1: attractive. I Oh, Third Watch is another good one. We need to talk about all these shows that we watched. I know. I love Third Watch. I have seasons one and two on DVD. I need to steal it from you.
0: Bobby Cannavale was on Third Watch.
1: I know. I know. That was, I think, the first place where I recognized him from was Third Watch. Oh, God. There's another person. Okay, anyway, let's go. Okay. (laughs) We're thirsting too much. (laughs) We are thirsting so much today. (laughs) The
0: ritual over. It's a brisky time. And wow, the douchebag energy that just radiates oh. off Richard when he says that. Beer in hand, he goes over to the girl from the opening, who is still chained to the wall. At least she's alive. At least she's alive. And he taunts her. She begs to go home and he pretends to think about it for a moment before telling her, no. Oh. Wow, I, I just
1: I cannot wait for Richard to die a horrible and violent death. I know, I know. And but like you said, that the douchebag energy in that scene. Oof, so good. Like oh, I'm I mean, so it's so weird how you can like when you get a bunch of '90s frat boy looking dudes and get them in a scene together. It's just just the energy radiates. You like, can, you can feel like, it. You don't, They don't even need to act. For some reason, it's just pouring out of their skin. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Walking away, he says he loves high school girls. Oh. So two things about this scene. One, the script makes sure to point out that Tom is not at this ritual preserving the image of him that we're building Being, up yes yes two we never see kobe's frat boy again which i find really interesting like i don't remember seeing him at the party yeah no or at the ritual scenes later and i know it was probably a logistic scheduling thing yeah but yeah like, if you make a big deal of like having this dude be the one sworn in you think you'd want to at least like see him in the background of the party yeah but no Back at Sunnydale High, Buffy is hanging in the lounge with Willow and Xander. Willow asks what changed Buffy's mind about the frat party, and she says Angel did. Angel, is he going with her? That's exciting. <sighs> Tapping the semi napping Xander on the shoulder, who in the script is actually said to be reading a skateboard magazine, which is a great throwback to his first season self. Mm hmm. Which we never see the skateboard again. No, because apparently it's a bitch to film people on skateboards. Well, yeah, it is. Willow excitedly tells him that Buffy has a date with Angel. Only she doesn't. She's not going with Angel. She's going with, e gods, Cordelia. <laughs> okay, so Mia and I watched The Music Man last night. <laughs> <laughs> Which means now I just keep hearing the mayor's daughter doing her e cats. Yeah. I was just like, God damn it. <laughs> Cordelia? Frowning, Willow looks at Xander. And did she sound a little jealous right there? Because she didn't mean to. But Cordelia? <laughs> Xander says Cordelia is much better for Buffy than Angel.
1: Xander will... is not wrong. Xander is completely right at that moment. And we're going to talk about why. Right now. Oh, yeah.
0: Willow asks what's going on with Angel, and Buffy says nothing. Nothing's going on, just like always. But she doesn't understand. Angel likes her, more than likes her. Yeah, well, he never says more than two words to her. And when he does, he treats her like a child. To which Xander replies, that bastard and I start cracking up because Xander's timing there is perfect but okay thank you show yes for acknowledging that they have barely had a conversation exactly I mean we've been saying this for so long but I mean it It's taken me into like rewatching it now with notes to realize how truncated and non-existent their relationship really is.
1: Yeah, Like you don't, you don't really realize it. And especially when you're watching episodes back to back, Mm -hmm. because like when, when you first, when we first watched the series, it was a week in between episodes and then you know, the the season break. So with a lot of things, you just don't realize how little there is. Because I mean, we're on episode five. Yep. Five. Of season two.
0: Of season two. Well, of this season. Yeah. So
1: we're on episode five and
0: they're still doing the like cryptic conversation. Will they, won't they? Yeah. Haven't really had a proper date thing yet. By episode fourteen, Angel will be angelus. So we have nine episodes. I know, and that's nine what that's what that
1: happens. That's what really bothered me about that about surprise. You know, like when they get to when they get to that point because it's like you like we keep saying they don't have many real conversations. Mm-mm. She would be better for Cordelia because at least she and Cordelia have some type of rapport. Yeah. And relationship, you know, it's not the best, but yes, there is more to them than there is with her and her quote unquote love interest.
0: Yeah. So that's just something to think about as we move towards those episodes.
1: I would like, you know what I would like to see if we can find like how much screen time David Boreanaz has total. I'm sure somebody has yeah. done that. We'll, i sure. Uh, we'll put a pin in that and see if we can figure out yeah. how much Because like with each each episode, with each season to see what his full run time is.
0: Yeah, because he even in the episodes he's in, he doesn't show up a lot.
1: Yeah. Like I one of the episodes that he's in the most is his self-named episode. Mm -hmm. That might be the most that he's on screen until Angelus. But yeah, yeah. he gets a lot more screen time when he becomes Angelus. Yeah. 'Cause he's doing that whole thing. But yeah, we'll we'll have to figure that out. That's interesting to think about. That is. Hmm. <laughs> At least Tom, she says, can carry
0: on a conversation. Yeah. Wait, who's Tom? For Xander does not remember there being a Tom. <laughs> Willow tells him it's the frat boy, and Xander is all, oh no, no. Dropping <laughs> pan, fire. Come on. I'm I'm there with you, Xander. No, no, no. Giles exits his office, a sword behind his back. (laughs) He looks around, checking to see if Buffy and the others are there. And when he sees they're not, well, he decides Uh, to do a bit of practice himself. He's so cute. Will you be ready if a vampire is behind (laughs) you? He whirls about, thrusting the sword forward before making as if to stab something on the floor, which
1: is when the others walk in. That is is Anthony's Shakespeare training coming out right there. That is his is. stage combat, big, full gestures, over-the-top so voice. so much fun. Yeah, he is. A bit embarrassed, he says he didn't see
0: them there, creeping <laughs> about. Tossing the sword into the cage, he kicks it closed before asking how the previous night went. I just like his, like, nah, no, that's nope. fine. Okay. I wasn't doing anything. Nope. Buffy shows him the bracelet she found, and Willow says she remembers seeing something similar. She tells Giles there's blood on it, and when he doesn't see any, Buffy informs him that Angel smelled it. Angel can smell blood? Yeah, there's a guy you want to party with. Xander is full of quips as he sits on the counter reading a magazine. Probably the skateboarding magazine he was supposed to be reading earlier. Hopping down off the counter, Xander suggests Buffy do some more patrolling while they look into who could have been wearing the bracelet. Excellent plan. Giles agrees and says they'll reconvene. Hold on. Wait, did anyone ask Buffy if that was okay with her? Because she's unavailable tonight. Oh, and why is that? Xander starts to say something about how patrolling is more important than the party, but Buffy cuts him off before he can do so. (laughs) She has a ton of homework and her mom, she isn't feeling all that great. So Buffy should probably stay home with her. You know, she's not really feeling 100% either. Oh, well, of course, then if Buffy's not feeling good, she should, of course, stay home and be with her mom. In the hall, both Xander and Willow are looking at Buffy. She tells Xander to say whatever it is he's going to say. And he says he's not going to say anything. Willow is. Yeah.
1: She lied to Giles. She lied to Giles. Willow
0: cannot believe it. And it looks like she's going to be a little sick.
1: She's so, she's so, she's so mad that Buffy lied to Giles.
0: <laughs> Buffy says she didn't lie to Giles. She is just protecting him from things he does not need to know. Yeah, like how she doesn't have a sick mom and would rather spend her night at a frat party where there's going to be drinking, older boys and possibly Orgies? <laughs> orgies? Wait, why has Xander never heard of these orgies? And how does he get on the mailing list?
1: (laughs) I love, I love Willow. I just love her whole, her outrage about the lie (sighs) to go to a party. And again, it's like you, she lied to her dad. You don't lie to dad. No. Buffy
0: tells them both to chill. That's seven days a week. She's out there saving the world. Once in a blue moon, she'd like to have some fun. And that is what she's going to do. Have fun. Look, like we just said, I'm all for Buffy cutting loose every once in a while, but I cannot condone lying to Giles. No,
1: no, especially to lie to Giles to go to a frat party. I can condone being punished
0: by Giles, but I cannot condone lying to Giles.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. We have such issues on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Also... There will be no fun. Cordelia makes that very clear in the pre-party meeting. Because this is not about fun. This is about duty. Buffy's duty to help Cordelia achieve permanent prosperity. She gives Buffy a list of do's and don'ts and is attempting to teach Buffy her laugh from earlier when Willow and Xander join them. Xander asks Cordy if she'll be printing up business cards with her hours of operation on them or just wearing a halter. Cordy responds by telling him not to be jealous. He could belong to a rich and powerful fraternity too. In the bizarre Bizarro world. (laughs) Bizarro world. Yeah. So while this term has come to mean a situation that is the inverse or opposite of reality, it actually originated with DC Comics. The Bizarro World, or Petre, Earth, spelled backwards, (laughs) first appeared in the April 1960 issue of Adventure Comics. Buffy asks if they'd like to join them, which really means please save her. But Xander says he needs (laughs) to finish digesting his candy bar. (laughs) He and Willow go sit up on the lounge while Cordy tries to figure out what makeup would be best on Buffy. She tells her to just give it her all and try to stick to the shadows. Since we're talking about clothes and makeup and all, did you know Sarah Michelle Gellar, Allison Hannigan, and Charisma Carpenter were all the same shoe size?
1: Oh, no, I didn't know that. What Does it say what size they are? No, it doesn't say what size. Oh, okay. It just says
0: they're the same size.
1: Because I was going to say I could borrow their shoes, maybe. <laughs> well, I still can't believe
0: Buffy lied to Giles. Her world is askew. <laughs> Xander says it's not just askew, it's cockeyed. Willow tells him those mean the same thing before saying, it's it's fine, it's fine. They'll just help Giles. <laughs> Let us note that Xander and Willow are once again doing the ultra adorable thing where they share food. He takes her soda and she takes his candy bar.
1: I wish they wouldn't have broken that. I, I just get so mad. <laughs> like, I just love... The comfortable friendship that they have. Yeah, no, I
0: I do. I
1: love like, them so much. Like I don't mind. Like I don't mind one having a crush on the other because it happens. Of but course. just just the easy way that they are together just always made me so happy. I know. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, back to gross boys. Back to gross boys.
0: Xander isn't going to help Giles. He's going to the party. Someone needs to watch out for Buffy. As those fraternity boys give him the creeps. Same, Xander. Same. Yes, we are right there with you. So he's going to protect Buffy. Yep. And prove he's just as good as the rich kids. Yep. And maybe catch an orgy, if it happens early (laughs) enough. (laughs) Which brings us to the party. Music pours out of the frat house and there are people everywhere. The sound of a car tearing into the driveway can be heard as Cordelia parks, (laughs) rear-ending the car in front of her. (sighs) She doesn't get why everyone parks so close to her. Oh, Cordy. Checking her appearance in the mirror, Cordelia asks if she's ready. Buffy's not sure. Maybe this was a mistake. Not at all listening, Cordelia responds with, great, me too. (laughs) And gets out of the car. Inside, it's a typical party scene. Though not Animal House, the script does make sure to point that out. This is a classy frat party. Oh,
1: of course, because they are from very rich hoity-toity family so of course mm-hmm. they're classy and to be fair those are grosser than the animal house kind yeah. of parties
0: oh yeah people are talking drinking dancing Buffy and Cordelia stand by the doorway Cordelia marveling at all the diversity one gets in college you have all the rich people and all the other people <laughs> I love Cordelia's dress uh the pale blue um yes. Sam. Style yeah. dress, yeah, it was. It was so popular in the '90s. Oh, it was.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's just no, so pretty. I- the color, the color looks good on her. The, oh, cut the color looks, looks good fantastic on her. on her. Yeah. Well, it's it's kind of funny because when when she and Buffy are talking, didn't she say something about Buffy not wearing black? Yes. Or a sli- like a yeah.
0: She said not to wear black or spandex. That those are her trademarks. And then she goes and wears this like pale blue silk number. Yeah. And Buffy's in the short black cocktail dress. Yeah. Richard comes over, offering the two of them a drink, and Buffy asks if there's alcohol in it. Just a smidge. Yeah, Buffy, just a smidge. Cordelia is not here for Buffy embarrassing her. She sets the drink aside, and Richard says, it's okay, when he was her age, he wasn't into grown-up things either. What a douchebag! God, I hate him. He asks if they've seen the media room yet, and after Cordelia manages to quote the exact specs of it, (laughs) she says, no, she hasn't, but she'd love to. (laughs) He asks about Buffy and Cordelia says she's fine. She prefers to be alone. Xander, meanwhile, sneaks into the frat house via the window, wearing a red polo and khakis. And it does make him look a bit like Bizarro Xander.
1: And you know what I said? He looks like he works for State Farm. Oh, he does. He is State Farm Xander. He is State Farm Xander. Because... A red polo and khakis. This is true. (laughs) So he is Xander from State Farm.
0: He works the room, getting a feel for the party and completely missing Buffy as her back is to him. And he is soon distracted by food.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know what? (laughs) I would go to a party looking for somebody and also get distracted by the food. Yeah, no. Especially a rich party where they are guaranteed to have good food. They probably have it catered.
0: Probably, yeah. Yeah. As for Buffy, she continues to stand alone watching everyone until three different boys take notice of her. One raises his champagne flute in a sort of toast because, yes, frat, frat parties are known for their champagne flutes. Ritual. But ones. again, this is a classy frat party. This is classy, yes. While the other two just kind of point and gawk. Picking up the drink she was handed earlier, Buffy returns the toast before taking a sip. That's when Cro-Magnum boy decides, hey, time to hit on the pretty girl. And literally charges at her like a bull. Thankfully, Tom is there to pull her away with a, may I have this dance? They dance, (sighs) Buffy thanking him for saving her. He says, they're not all drunken louses. That some of them are sober louses. (laughs) He tells her he's glad she came, though it seems like she's not. She says she can't shake the feeling that she shouldn't be there. Why? Because she's seen someone? No. No, because she has responsibilities. Commitments. He says there is a thing as being too mature. And that she deserves a night to let loose. He thinks she's too mature? Looking around, he says it looks like the Neanderthal is gone and so she should be safe. They don't have to dance anymore. Thing is, though, she wants to dance Aww. and so she pulls him back close to her
1: why do they all suck
0: i i don't know buffy deserves a nice night this is just, just she,
1: yeah yeah she, she deserves to have a nice night out that's not gonna end in ritual sacrifice we then cut back
0: to xander who seems to have found some girls girls he is charming with his antics i know it's so cute Richard stands watching as Cro-Magnum and some other brother join him. They ask who the dork is, and Richard says he's never seen him before. Oh, really? Well, then, looks like they have a crusher. <sighs> they head over to where Xander is now asking about Cordelia and Buffy and declare him their new pledge. I hate Chanting,
1: new pledge,
0: new pledge, they drag him off. Oh, we're going to talk, we're going to...
1: We're going to talk about this in a little bit. And like him and like the the, the other guys in the background. Like, yeah,
0: I didn't really mention the other guys in the background, but we probably should because like, yeah, yeah, all the pledges are dressed in like ultra sexy, traditionally female outfits with signs that say pledge and they're being made to act as the cater waiters for the night.
1: It's just, it's so disgusting. It's so icky. I mean, and like my mother-in-law told both of her boys that neither of them were allowed to join a fraternity because she was paying. She was paying for them to go to college. Yeah. She said, if you want to join a fraternity, you are going to pay for yourself. I will not pay for you to, I mean, and especially in the late nineties, early two thousands, this is what fraternities were. Now a lot of fraternities really, and sororities do focus more on service. Yeah. But at that time, a lot of them were just this gross shit.
0: Mm -hmm. Buffy wanders out onto the patio, their dance over I guess, staring out at the lawn or into the middle distance. (laughs) She steps farther away from the chaos inside as something beneath her shoes causes a sort of crunching noise. Bending down she sees that it's broken glass, pieces of the above window. Tom comes out asking if she's okay and she drops the glass saying yeah she was just thinking. Before anything else can be said Richard joins them handing out drinks and toasting to what everything just made him some money apparently his argentinian junk bonds <laughs> maturing okay i those, have no idea what that means but sure those are certainly all words Tom toasts to maturity, referencing both uh, Mm. Richard's bonds and his earlier conversation with Buffy. And Buffy says, screw it. Maturity is overrated. (sighs) She downs the drink. In the library, Willow is working on or figuring out what the bracelet could have said. She types random things into the computer, sent, lent, rent, dent, hoping to come up with a match. And she does. Kent, Kent Preparatory School. That's where she's seen the bracelets. Pulling up the school newsletters from the past few months, she finds out there is a girl missing Callie. And her picture matches the girl currently chained up in the basement of the frat house. Back to Xander, who is not having the fun he promised himself. The brothers putting lipstick on him and forcing him to dance. After stripping him down and forcing him to wear a padded bra, they next add a blonde wig and force him to keep dancing, something Buffy is oblivious to as she stumbles back inside, looking a little drunk, but obviously drugged. Looking around, she tries to locate Tom before slowly making her way up the steps. All the while, Sanders still in a circle of people, being made to dance while several frat bros and their girlfriends paddle him. So these fraternity brothers force Crashers to dress like women and order them to dance for them while spanking them. Yeah, we don't have time to unpack all that, so we'll just move on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Where we're hazing is just... Not okay.
0: Stumbling into an upstairs bedroom, Buffy apologizes to a pewter horse <laughs> before making her way to the bed. Hey,
1: you know what? We've all been there. <laughs> We've all run into inanimate objects and have apologized to them.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine if she can just make the room stop spinning. She lays down and promptly passes out, Richard entering a moment later. <sighs> Seeing Buffy, it's clear he's intending to have his way with her when Tom pushes him away, telling him to leave her alone. Richard says he wasn't doing anything and Tom says he knows what he was doing. Yeah, well, he just wanted to have a little fun. Buffy isn't there for his fun. She's there for the pleasure of the one they serve, (laughs) just like the other one is. On that, we see Cordelia is also in the room, on the floor, also drugged. In the script, Tom's gaze at the end of this scene is described as that of a zealot, a true believer god damn it
1: Tom Uh,
0: where's my Tyra gif
1: uh, we were rooting for you you. we trusted you we were all rooting for you and And you're crazier than
0: yeah you turned out to be the craziest of them all
1: yeah but no like (sighs) I uh, again like acting wise like yeah as cheesy as this show can get the fact that he went from being so sweet and just then very subtle changes to him being a creep were really Mm -hmm. good yeah no it was really well done yeah and again like, it is very soap, op- soap opera acting. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Giles removes a printout of the newsletter from the printer, reading off Callie's full name, which happens to be Callie Megan Anderson.
1: So I know
0: Anderson I know. is a common name. I that's know. that's a really weird choice. Yeah, especially with... Yeah. To give Callie the same last name as Richard.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally believe Richard would sacrifice a relative. Yeah. But still. Yeah, according to the... Yeah, it's it, it's no relation. And they just yeah because he clearly doesn't know her like yeah. know her and she doesn't know him but i'm just like that was that was a weird choice yeah and i like in the uh like the, the buffy wiki even said they never make any kind of mention of it being the same name like i feel like maybe he, he would have even done it like oh she has the same last name as me i have issues with my family let me sacrifice her <laughs>
0: Yeah, because it's one of those things where both those last names are mentioned within the episode. Yeah, but again, like I think someone just didn't realize they gave two characters yeah, the same last yeah. name. Yeah, kind of like we can't do math. According to the newsletter, Callie's been missing for a little over a week. Willow says it's Sunnydale. They can rule out anything good, and Giles agrees, saying he should call Buffy. No, no, he should not, because um, you know, Buffy and and her mom, they're they're sick. Yes, of course, Willow's right. And until they know more, there's really no point in disturbing her. More? Like, if there were other girls? (laughs) Because Willow's found three, all of whom disappeared a year ago. Almost to the day. Something that Giles says speaks to an anniversary or a date of significance to the killer. Killer? There's a killer now? (laughs) Giles reiterates Willow's earlier statement of being Sunnydale and all. He says they should take a look at where Buffy found the bracelet and go from there. Good idea. He should call (laughs) Angel. Angel? Yes, Angel! He was there when Buffy found it, and, well, they're gonna need all the help they can get. (laughs) Over at the frat house, the party is starting to wind down, guests trickling out. Xander also leaves, though not of his own volition, escorted out by the dudes from earlier. He tries to say his friends might still be inside, but they're not hearing it. They slam the door in his face as we once more travel down below. Where Tom is getting weird ass symbols carved (sighs) into him. And Cordelia and Buffy are slowly starting to come too. Now chained to the wall beside Callie. Cordelia asks Buffy where they are and she answers the basement. Why? Buffy's not sure. Cordelia says she wants to go home. And Callie answers that none of them are going home. She tells them that one of the brothers is different, nicer, and that he's the one they need to watch out for. All this time we thought it was Richard that was the head douchebag but apparently it's Tom. Surprise! As he has a nice green robe compared to everyone else's brown ones. Ugh. Turning to look at the girls, his gaze zeroes in on Buffy as he says she's last. Last? Last for what? And if Buffy's last, who's first? Cordelia is demanding answers yet no one is giving them. They just keep on preparing. Tom taking three stones from a velvet bag and pouring water over them into a well or pool... Or whatever. Three stones, three girls. Buffy says not to worry. They're going to get out of here. All while Cordelia blames Buffy for making them come.
1: Of course she does. <laughs> what? what? Cordelia? No, no, Cordy, this Cordy, one is all on you. No, you, ugh. Cordy, I love you, girl, but no, no, this isn't Buffy's fault. Back at the library, Angel's arrived. He tells
0: Giles that Buffy found the bracelet in the cemetery near the south wall. Giles is trying to piece together what that might mean while Willow is just (laughs) staring at Angel and his lack of reflection. I love it. I just love her, like, but what? She asks him how he shapes. Yeah, of course. It's such a Willow thing to say. The south wall is near the college and the fraternity house. Willow's face starts to drain of color as Angel wonders if the fraternity could be taking girls. Giles suggests they head over to investigate and Willow freaks yelling, (laughs) Buffy! Giles says he doesn't want to disturb her, but Willow continues, Buffy's there with Cordelia. Giles can't believe Buffy lied to him. Well, Angel (laughs) wants to know if she had a date. Angel. Angel, you did it yourself. Both Giles and Angel look disappointed, causing Willow to continue because why do they think Buffy went to that party? Hmm? hmm? Because yeah, Angel it. keeps giving her the brush off and Giles, he never lets her do anything. He's killing her with all the pressure. It's like she's <laughs> 16 going on 40. And in to Angel, he's going to live forever. He doesn't have time for coffee. She pauses saying that, okay, she doesn't actually feel all that better, but it's fine because they need to help Buffy.
1: I love that. I love Willow going off on them. <laughs> I love
0: all these moments where Willow finds her voice.
1: Yes. Like, It's clear that she is
0: hella uncomfortable yelling at Giles. Yes. (laughs) But she's going to do it because it has to be
1: done and these things need to be said. And especially because earlier she was mad at Buffy for lying to Giles. Yeah. But now she's mad at Giles for making Buffy lie. Like it is Giles' fault that Buffy lied to him. That's right. Yes. No, Willow finding her voice and being uncomfortable in finding her voice. Like it's a very realistic thing. Like how many of us us have stood up for ourselves but we feel like crying as we do it all the time (laughs) that is that is also why I had always gravitated toward Willow because I understand that and she portrays it so well. I am standing up for myself but I'm going to cry while I do it and please i just got to get out of this and get through.
0: Oh, Willow. <laughs> we love her so much. <laughs> we do.
1: We really do.
0: Watching her go, Giles and Angel follow. Walking away from the frat, Xander begins muttering to himself, saying something about how one day he'll have money and power and when that day comes, they'll still have more. <laughs> it's about them that he notices is that the car he is standing beside is Cordelia's, which means the girls are still there.
1: He takes off towards the lawn. He's wearing his necklace in that scene. He's
0: wearing his necklace and it looks like something's been added to the chain. Yes. I think it might be a small cross, but I'm not sure. It look, because there's definitely something bouncing
1: against the metal. Yeah, because yeah, there's there's definitely the medallion that we've always noticed. And there's something else there. I really just want to know what this necklace is. I know. I know that's like the only person I really want to talk to is Marty. So like, hey, Marty, yes. can, you, can you tell me? that's all i want to know is what is the necklace that xander was wearing through the entire thing and she just probably would be like what are you talking about crazy person this is like, my home I please go away <laughs> in my kitchen? <laughs> i'm sitting there sitting there on her counter making myself a sandwich <laughs> so Marty, about this necklace who are you and how did you get in here <laughs> I came from i came all the way from philadelphia to ask you this one tiny question it's an important question it's important what is the necklace that xander wears throughout season one and two we're oh. <laughs> quality podcast we, people. Are, we we are oh. <sighs>
0: nobody else has this kind of quality no one no one no one goes this far to get to the answer <laughs> no
1: no the things i do for you mary i'm gonna need you to bail me out Okay. See, usually everybody, usually I'm the one that would be bailing everybody out. Usually you are, but no, it will be me.
0: <laughs> Back in the basement the ceremony has begun. The others chant as Tom starts this litany about Makita, about how all their wealth and power comes from him. And so to him they offer up these sacrifices. Sacrifices? Cordelia doesn't want to be a sacrifice to their psycho cult. As Tom calls forth the dark lord as they call him, Cordelia asks Buffy if they're about to be thrown down to whatever resides in that well. No, no they're not because it's coming to them makita burst forth and cordelia begins screaming as buffy just stares I kind of forget how ridiculous the makeup for Makita look like. Yeah. Looks, I love yeah. it so. I love it. I love I know, it. But it's just, it's it's not one of their better ones.
1: I love the look on Buffy's face, though. That even she is fucking terrified. Yeah, like she's faced down so much awful shit, but even she can be scared of something. Buffy keeps trying to break her chains as
0: Makita looks the three of them over. All the while, Tom continuing his spiel, talking about their good fortune and how if Makita is pleased it shall continue that this is why they feed him each year on the 10th day of the 10th month feed cordelia does not like the sound of that outside willow giles and angel arrive on the scene to find most of the earlier party goers gone the house quiet as they look on a robed figure comes up behind them but it's fine as it's just xander who found the robe in the trash and was going to use it to try and infiltrate as he saw them all wearing robes and heading downstairs why are they there to find the missing girls, and Buffy and Cordelia. Angel puts his game face on, and Xander says, Okay, that is the guy you want to party with. (laughs) Makita closes in on Cordelia, and so Buffy tries to draw his attention away by calling out... Hey, reptile boy. She did the thing. <laughs> she did the thing. Tom says no woman speaks to him, but Buffy doesn't care. She tells the demon that he doesn't want Cordelia. Look at her. She's all skin and bones. He'll be hungry again in a half hour. That's when Tom rushes over and smacks her across the face, saying if she speaks again, he'll cut her throat. Oh, Tom. Tom, Tom, Tom. You're going to regret that, buddy. Ooh. Xander approaches the door of the frat house, hood pulled down over his face. He says he got locked out doing the trash and for Crow magnum to let him in. He does, and Xander immediately punches him, demanding to know where the girls are. Angel is right behind him and takes out the other guy as Willow and Giles also rush in. It seems Cro-Magnum's face might have hurt Xander's hand about as much as Xander's hand hurt his face. (laughs) Hearing the noise upstairs, Tom sends some of the other brothers up to investigate, not wanting anything to ruin the ritual. Buffy has just about gotten (laughs) her chains loose, tearing them from the stone about the time Makita goes to eat Cordelia. She hits the demon, forcing him back, and Tom comes at her with a sword upstairs. Angel takes on various frat bros while Xander continues beating up the one who humiliated him. And even Giles takes out one or two (laughs) while looking for the basement door. I don't know. He's trying a door at one point. Willow is the one who finds the door though, telling them that Buffy is fighting some guy with a sword. (laughs) And there's a giant snake. (laughs) Sword, snake, Buffy. Come on. (laughs) Advancing on Buffy with the sword, Tom says he will feed her to Makita in pieces. She counters, going for him, wrapping the chain from her shackles around his neck and saying he talks too much. (laughs) Good for for her. her. She then uses said chain to toss him across the room and over a table. The others rush down the steps right as Makita is grabbing Cordelia. Picking up the sword, Buffy rushes over, telling him to let her go before slicing through him. He screams and falls. The battle over, Buffy walks around the basement as Giles and the others work on freeing Cordelia and Callie. Tears in her eyes, Cordelia approaches Buffy and Angel saying, They did it! They saved him! Right before hugging <gasps> Angel. She's never been so happy to see anyone. Oh. As for the others, well, she hates them. <laughs> <laughs> it always happens when she's around them. And Tom, he's going to jail for 15,000 years! <laughs> Oh, God, I love her. I just, I love that whole sequence with the, like, you saved us. And then she morphs into the, like, hey, hey, you <laughs> guys.
1: And then you're <laughs> going to jail. I know. It's just such a great corny moment. I love her. <laughs> She's 15,000 years.
0: She heads upstairs along with the others, leaving Buffy and Giles. Buffy says she just told one lie, had one drink, yes, and she almost got sacrificed to a snake. (laughs) (laughs) The words, let that be a lesson, seem a little redundant in light of that.
1: If I ever had a daughter, I would use this episode (laughs) as a teaching moment. (laughs) Don't have sex, you will get pregnant and die. (laughs) Die. Do not go to frat parties,
0: you will get sacrificed to a snake. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) She apologizes and so does he. He only pushes her so hard because he knows what is out there, what she must face. But he promises, from now on, just nudging. <laughs> so, in the original script, there's a small bit between Cordelia going upstairs and Buffy and Giles' conversation. During this whole thing where Cordelia is talking about hating them, Makita is slowly coming back together. And shortly after she goes upstairs, he pops back up, telling Tom that he has given them wealth for a hundred years. But now, after tonight, they're on their own. He then grabs Tom, declaring him a snack for the road, and disappears <laughs> into his cavern off to terrorize some other campus, I guess. Yeah. According to Greenwald, this was cut due to there not being enough time in the production schedule to shoot it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. For
0: our final scene, we go to the small child nightclub (laughs) where Jonathan, who is described in the script as a freshman, meaning his age will later get retconned. Yes. Is all dressed up, and is getting a coffee and a muffin for Cordelia. Cordelia sends him back to correct his mistake on the coffee. He forgot the extra foam. But she takes the muffin as she passes by the table where Xander, Willow, and Buffy are sitting. Young men are the only way to go.
1: (laughs) I love Jonathan.
0: I love him so much.
1: He's so cute. Reading
0: the Sunnydale Press, Xander tells them that everyone in the fraternity is facing consecutive life sentences as they found the bones of young girls in a cavern beneath the frat house, some of which dated back 50 years. It also seems that several corporations whose CEOs were alumni of the frat are now having some issues. Loss of profits, fallen stocks, IRS raids, and even some suicides. Willow asks if Buffy's talked to angels Telling her that when Angel thought she was in danger and he got really mad and he went all grr, grr. It was the most amazing thing ever. I love Willow's face when she does that. I know, she's grr. so cute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angel, Angel, Angel. Xander doesn't see why every conversation they have needs to come back around to that freak. <laughs> of course, as he's saying it, Angel appears, so Xander just offers him a hey man.
1: <laughs> I like. It. He doesn't even flinch. He's just like, eh, okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Right before Buffy breathes out, Angel, Vander. <sighs> he adds his own name.
0: Yeah. <laughs> As Angel says, he heard the small child nightclub serves coffee. Yeah. So... If she'd like, maybe they could go sometime. Willow, she's so proud. She's smiling at Angel like, yeah, he's using his words. I told him to do that. Yes. No more cryptic conversations. With a small smirk, Buffy says she'll let him know right before she gets up from the table and begins walking away. For a moment, she looks like she can't believe she did that. But then she smiles.
1: The end. Yay. I love that Sander is reading the newspaper like an old man at the small child nightclub. I know. I just... (laughs) there's just so many good things about like this. just Xander like <laughs> he look like, very like dad like his paper at the table well, I mean he was wearing he was wearing his polo and his khakis earlier he's still channeling State Farm Xander he is he really is like it just work it works for him i just have a few final thoughts
0: um like we said earlier this this is very much a a very special episode as the themes of date rape spike drink and not judging one on their appearance i.e tom seeming very very nice are all present greenwald even said how do the young and rich remain so that group you so desperately want to be a part of maybe you should dig a little deeper And a note in the Guide to Demons says to avoid socializing with strangers.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, they're they're not even being subtle here. Yeah, no, there's, there's so many themes in this episode. And again, I love that they do it, that they give you the very special episode in the Buffy type way. But another theme that I think isn't as obvious, it's not in the
0: script as much but it is obvious when you watch it is the theme of agency. Oh yeah. And Buffy's agency over her own life. Yeah. Because you know we see in the beginning that Giles has taken control of her Slayer schedule. He says that she has training at this time she does patrolling at this time we get the scene where like Xander and Giles are talking about Buffy like she's not even in the room exactly and when it comes to the relationship even though like we said Angel has brought all this on himself yeah Angel is clearly the one who wants to define stuff yes who's telling her this won't work there's an age difference between us nothing can happen here and I mean there's a good reason he's saying nothing can happen there yeah but still Angel's the one who's trying to define everything. So that final moment of the episode where Buffy's like, meh, we'll see. Yeah. And she walks away. That's Buffy taking the agency back. Exactly. Like she's now the one in control. Yeah. She's the one who's like, mm, I'll call you. Maybe.
1: Yeah. And I like, see, and that's one of the things that I love about this show is everything grows and shifts. Mm-hmm. You know, like it is obvious that Buffy, unlike unlike Kendra and Faith, Buffy wants more in her life, like especially because she was not raised in the Slayer to be the Slayer. Like she wants to have this life and she, but she needs to be able to make her own decisions. She knows what her responsibilities are. She doesn't need Giles to constantly tell her you're the Slayer. You have to do this. You have to do that. She knows this. And I think once she's allowed to define her own life and be able to, balance it because she does balance it she does she does manage to balance it when she's allowed to balance it yeah and we're gonna see this a lot through the show you know Buffy
0: struggling with the two parts of her life Buffy struggling to be the person in control of her own life especially seasons three and five when we see a little bit more of the council yeah you know we we definitely get this idea of and I mean, Buffy's uh, got a great speech in season five about power and how she has it mm-hmm. and how she's now the one in control. Fucking Travers. we're even going to see it at the end of this season. I just it's it's a great yeah. theme that runs throughout, but it, it's a very prevalent theme in this episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also it's also, again, setting up for things that are going to that's going to happen later mm-hmm. on in the line. Yep. So that's it for this week. Yay.
0: Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on the next book in the Julie Kenner's Adventures of a Demon Hunting Soccer Mom series. Oh, I can't wait. Demons are forever. (laughs) We are so excited to talk this book with you guys. Until then, you can check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, or write to us directly at the Diaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.